It's Wednesday night, and I'm talking to you about predestination. There are so many people that hate that. When you hate predestination, you are anti-Christ. That's what you are. If you say you don't believe it, then you don't believe the Word of God. The Bible has predestination in it several times. Except the word is not predestination. It is the word pro Horizo. And Horizo, there's an H sound. There's no H's in the Greek alphabet, none. There's an H sound. It's called a diacritical mark, D-I-A-C-R-I-T-I-C-A-L. Diacritical mark. The diacritical mark has a breathing sound, Horizo. It is an H sound because it's breath. Horizo. And Horizo is the word to bound. But it's not a simple boundary line. It is actually the word horizon in our language. The Latins put an end on it. So it means to pre or pro, pre, bound for the horizon or the light to be bound for the light well that's really amazing because when you look at the horizon you're talking about you can only see the horizon from the light it's dark outside right now and we can't see the horizon you can't see it from the dark So if God puts you inside the horizon, you're in the light. And light is always equated with truth. The scripture says, He that doeth truth, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. So we come to the light, out of the darkness. Well, we've been talking about that. On uh, Sunday morning, I'm going to talk more about that this Sunday morning. That's amazing because light and darkness has to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the word aphesis, A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Aphesis means to pardon. A pardon is not a parole. A pardon is where the offense is completely wiped off the books. When you look up a facet, it'll tell you to pardon and send a man away free of all charges. So, he's pardoned. But forgiveness is not free. It's not free. It is involved with repentance. And the Bible says a man cannot, he cannot repent on his own, he cannot turn himself. Because repent, metanoia, metanoia means to be turned, be turned, and think differently differently you cannot turn yourself 
This is why predestination is true. This is why it's absolutely necessary. Men do not know how evil their heart is. And you cannot repent. Only God can turn you if you're ever going to be turned. The reason people don't believe predestination is they don't know how wicked and how dark their heart is. They just don't know. If God ever opens up your heart and shows you how wicked you are, when he opens up your heart and shines the light in, the whole Rizzo in, you don't say, whoopee, praise God, glory to God, I'm saved, and I'm just so happy to be a Christian. No, you find out how wicked your heart is. I find out how evil you are down inside. And unless you know that, you don't really know what you've been saved from. If all you're is giddy and happy and jumping up and down and praise God, I'm just saved and I just thank God for my salvation. If you don't know how wicked you are and if you're... The scripture tells us over in Jeremiah, Turn thou men, I shall be turned. After I was turned, I repented repented and I was ashamed you have to become ashamed of the way you have lived I am thoroughly ashamed of my past and the way I've lived in the past and he said you're ashamed and you will take the blame take the blame and you'll say the fault is mine that's what you'll say You'll quit blaming the guy down the street. I was in real estate for years. And I used to blame the guys that cheated me and lied. Did they lie? Yeah. Did they cheat me? Yeah. Were they supposed to? Yes. They were evil men that were supposed to do that in order for me to be turned. I was in the music business and famous music people would hurt me and lie about me. Because I'd tell off on them and their sin, and they would they would give me a hard time. Were they supposed to do that? Absolutely, they were supposed to. That's what causes us to turn after so much of that for so many years. And I had to learn that I had to take the blame. And that's what Jeremiah said. After I was turned, I was ashamed. I took the blame for everything that was going on in my life. And I was embarrassed at it. That's what has to happen to you when you repent. But repentance is not something that happens out of the clear blue sky. You have to be rebuked. And the rebuke only comes from God. God has to rebuke you. You will repent. And then you will be forgiven the Bible says if your brother trespass against you, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. You know, forgiveness is not something that you're supposed to go around passing out free of charge. What are you supposed to do if somebody's not repentant? Get mad at him? No. You pull away from him and withdraw from them. You go over here to the other side of the world and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. If a man call himself a brother, and he does not listen to the word of God, separate from him, so that when the Holy Spirit deals with him, he will 
repent. But you have this forgiveness comes about, and forgiveness is coming out of darkness to light, but it has to do with repentance, and that has to do with rebuke, and that has to come from God. Without that, in fact, one of the words of the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence is E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S. That's the word evidence. And evidence, that word elenkos is a form of E-L-E-G-C-H-O, which is the word rebuke. What is it that rebukes a man? It's the evidence down on the table in front of the court, and it's got the gun on it with your fingerprints on it, or the knife with your fingerprints. You have to be rebuked, you have to be ashamed, you have to take the blame. And that's when God turns a person. And then you come from darkness to light, and that's something you God will teach you to do. He that doeth truth will come to the light. And that's what predestination's about. People that don't believe in predestination, they don't believe in prohorenzo. The Bible says, you can believe in that predestination. Well, I'm sorry, but it's in the Bible. I had a lady say, I said, I said, I believe in predestination. She said, I don't. Said she went up to the big Baptist church. I said, you have to believe in it. It's in the Bible. She said, it is. She didn't even know it was there. The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. You know why people don't believe it? They think the sentence stops there. Don't stop there. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what, There has to be a recipient of the verb predestinate. This is a verb. Predestinate is a a verb shows action. You got being verbs, helping verbs, and you got action verbs. This is an action verb. And they have tense. They have tense. Predestinate in that verse is arist indicative. Arist indicative means it means past tense. It's something that happened in the past. God, before the foundation world, has predestinated his people to the horizon, to the light, out of darkness. And by the way, that is the word prison. The spirits in prison, those that were the ones that were in darkness, and they've been called to the light. Prison is the word fulake. Fulake is the division of day and night or light and darkness. And boy, we've been talking about that on Sunday morning, haven't we? Light and darkness. And to pardon and release from prison means to pardon you, but pardons are not free. You have to repent. If somebody's unwilling to repent, walk away and leave them alone. Don't get mad at them. The opposite of forgiving somebody is walking away from him and having no fellowship with him. 
when they won't. And after the second admonition, reject them because they subvert their own house and they're heretics. What do you mean heretic? You mean somebody's uh, into Buddhism or something? Heretic. Heretic. H-A-I-R. This is Titus 3.10. H-A-I-R-T-I-K-O-S. Hereticos is a form of H-A-I-R-E-S-I-S. Heresis is the word heresy in the Bible. Heresy or sect. The sect of the Pharisees, it meant somebody who set up a boundary line. Well, guess what? That's a boundary line that's in opposition to God's boundary or God's horizo. They set up their own boundary line and they have a sect or a heresis. And this is what the word heresis means. It means to choose for oneself to choose for oneself in other words a heretic is one who chooses his own will he exercises his own self will that's what a heretic is when people deny predestination and they hate it I got a letter from a guy an email the guy is absolutely crazy he thinks he's right but he's not because it's like we're predestined and he doesn't even know what it's about. We're predestined. Whom he did foreknow. Foreknow, i got to write this down because God didn't foreknow everybody. He said in his letter, God foreknew in his email. He says, uh, did whom he did foreknow. This is Romans eight twenty nine. Did God foreknow everyone, or did he only foreknow the righteous, a.k.a. the saved? AKA the saved? The truthful answer is he foreknew everyone. Let me show you how that you're lying here, okay? Foreknow, P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. That's the word foreknow. It comes from pro, meaning before. That's our word pre. It means before. It's a prefix meaning before. Before Gnosko. Now, Gnosko, we get our word prognosis from that. Now, doctors don't make a prognosis. They tell you they do. They study and they do the best they can, but what they do is a prognosis guesses that's what they do if they knew they wouldn't say take these pills and come back Monday and and if that don't work we'll tune up your carburetor okay we'll do something else and see if we can make it right (laughs) they're guessing they're professional guessers but that's all they are doctors are real high class mechanics y'all don't figure that out by now I figured out. I've gone to doctors a thousand times, probably at least. So this guy is saying, God foreknew everybody. Here's an interesting thing. 
over in Matthew, the seventh chapter, seven, many will come in that day saying, haven't we prophesied in thy name and thy name cast out devils and thy name done many wonderful works? Sounds like Kenneth Copeland and his bunch. Haven't we done all these wonderful things? And Jesus is going to say to them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. That word know is the word G-I-N-O-S-K-O. I never knew you. You're going to hell now. i got to put you in hell. The ones that I knew beforehand. This guy's saying, well, he foreknew everybody. No, he didn't. But the ones that he foreknew are the ones he's predetermined to be like Christ. Predestination is not what most people would call. It is fatalistic. But most people don't know what fatal comes from. Fatal comes from the word fate, and your fate is whatever God determines it to be. And he has to determine for everybody what your fate will be. Now, this fellow and others, you don't know how wicked your heart is when you think that God... people think they know what predestination is about. They see the word and they say, you believe that God predestinated certain people to go to heaven no matter what they do. You're very ignorant if that's what you think. We don't believe that. I had a guy call me one night. He said, you believe a man gets to go to heaven no matter what he does. I said, I do not believe that. He said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. (laughs) It's like, good grief, man, don't tell me what I believe. Predestination is about what God will cause you to do and be. Predestination has, it's got to have a recipient of this verb. To be conformed. Without the last half of this verse, the first half doesn't mean anything. If he's determined us for the light, the light is truth, and truth is something you do. This is not salvation by works. It's God working in you to willing to do of his good pleasure, Philippians 2.13. I love all the preachers I've ever heard, the Baptist preachers, they love Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And they never go to Ephesians 2, 10. Never. And 2, 10 tells you what it's all about. 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it, it, it is a pronoun. All pronouns have an antecedent. An antecedent is the the pronouns. The common pronouns are I, we, you, he, she, 
it and they. It will be one of these or a form of these. It will I or me, me, they or them, she or her, he or his, being possessive. All of those are pronouns, forms of I, we, you, he, she, and it, and they. It is a pronoun. And every pronoun has an antecedent. I don't understand antecedent. It's this simple. An antecedent is the noun or pronoun that is referred back to by that pronoun. And what is the it that it's referring back to? What is it? And it, that's a neuter gender pronoun, doesn't have a that masculine gender like he and she or you or we. Those are going to be masculine or feminine gender. But it means it's neuter gender, so the thing it refers back to, always the antecedent has to match. It has to match the gender of the noun or pronoun it refers back to. And what it's referring back to is faith. Faith is a neuter gender. It is the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God, not of works. Now, boy, every Baptist preacher I've ever heard, my father included, not of works, not of works, not of works, not of works. Sound like a parrot. It's not of works. It's not of works of the flesh. It's not of self-righteous works. It's not of works, lest any man should boast in his own works. you got three basic different kinds of works. And it's not talking about God working in you. you got ritual, going to church, sitting to listen to some boring preacher say things that are not true. You got ritual. Then you got good works. You're letting helping some little lady across the street. That won't get you into heaven either. And then you have God working in you. God working in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 2.13, and then you've got the very next verse in Ephesians 2. And we just quoted 8 and 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I've never heard one of these preachers go to verse 10. Never. For we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Boy, that's very important. P-O-I-E-M-A. We are the work of God. Workmanship is poema. Now, poema does not mean the same thing as ergon. Ergon means to toil or labor. That's the common word in the Greek for toiling or labor. 
poema is a type of toiling, but it is something that is done by God. And any time you find poema, it means it means something like a tapestry. What God does, Jim, how in the world does God do that? He puts you through fire and persecution. He puts you through all kinds, through a daily cross. God places you to do what he will. He'll do everything he needs to do to break down self and cause you to want to repent and cause you want to give up self. And remember, you've got an inner and an outer man. And Paul said, this inner man is Christ in you and serve the law of God. And the outer man is the flesh and serves the law of the flesh or self. Boy, how long does it take God to get rid of that outer man? 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? How long? Everybody has that outer man in them and just doesn't want to give it up. Right? (laughs) You always raise your hand. (laughs) Thank you, Shorty. (laughs) It's, It's... But... This workmanship that God is working on us, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Agathos. Agathos means beneficial. Beneficial. Boy, I love verse 10. Because preachers, I have never heard a Baptist preacher quote it. And I have been in Baptist churches all my life because I went to all these fellowship meetings of these independent Baptists when I was raised up as a kid. And I've heard them, hundreds of them preached. Never heard one of them mitch verse 10. Not one. We're his workmanship, poema. The word poeo is a common word. It comes from poeo, P-O-I-E-O. Poeo means it means to work, or it's God working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good, beneficial works of God in us, which God hath before ordained. Before ordained is one word in the Greek. One word. Pro- Etoemazo. P R O E T O I M A Z O. Proetoemazo comes from pro, meaning before, before, and hetoemas. H. Remember, I said there were no H's. There's a diacritical mark there which has an H sound, E-T-O-I-M-A-S. Hetoimos, that's that breathing sound, has an H sound to it. Hetoimos means to fit up in advance or before the foundation of the world. That, That has the same meaning as what we're predestined to, 
to conform to the image icon likeness of Jesus. Predestination is not predestination without us conforming to be like Jesus and we won't do that on our own, will we? Not going to do it on your own. Why? There's nothing good in you. Until God reveals and opens up your life, pulls your heart wide open, I remember being in the hospital for months at a time in my mid-40s. And I've told you all this story before, but I sit up here in Hendersonville Hospital, sit up on the side of the bed, about to die, fighting to breathe. (gasps) Calling the nurses saying, come give me a breathing treatment. Come give me a shot of epinephrine. I got to have something. And I sat up on the side of that bed and looked out at New Shackle Island Road and said, Lord, you're going to kill me if I don't behave myself. I was trying to get rich in real estate. I had tried to be famous in the music business. And I said, i got to stop this. And boy, there was a change in my life, a turnaround. I said, Lord, I'm going to preach to everybody. I'm going to start with these doctors and nurses. And I called home and told Mary, bring me my Bible and bring me this book and that book. And, and I was dragging around IVs in both arms going up and down those aisles on the third floor of this hospital preaching to everybody I said from now on I'm going to tell everybody the truth all the time all the time I can and I got pretty tough on people for a while and then I found out and more I studied predestination I realized people can't hear unless they belong to God before the foundation of the world And as I got into my late 60s and 70s, I started quit fighting people. I said, I ain't going to fight no more. God's people can hear. They may not hear today, but they will hear. I'll just give them whatever I can give them. Don't worry about it. Well, Jim, I can't say all these words that you say. You're not supposed to say what you can. That's all. But don't try to convince anybody of anything by arguing with them. You can't argue anybody into the kingdom. They either have ears to hear or they don't. Proverbs 20 and 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye of the Lord hath made even both of them. And every time Jesus would say, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. What he's saying, if God has given you a spiritual ear, I'm commanding you now hear this. And that's an imperative mood, akuo, A-K-O-U-O. And that is a command. It's just as much a command from Jesus when he said, let there be light. Let there be horizo, and there will be. We don't have to worry about convincing anybody of anything. Is anybody here argue with your neighbor, with your family member? Has anybody done that? <laughs> Quit that. <laughs> it don't do any good to fight anybody. They either have an ear or they don't. It's really simple. I probably will quit talking to somebody faster than anybody here. Because, boy, the first word of argument I say, I have to go now. I'm not going to spend time. Sometimes I get a little insulting. A lady said about predestination and 
doctor's office. She said, let's agree to disagree. I said, I'm not going to agree with you on anything. You don't know nothing about the Bible. I said, agreeing to disagree is compromise. Except I was gentler than that. I said, that's compromising. I'm not going to do that. And boy, ever since then, she's nervous when I go in. (laughs) Now, so we were, it has been before determined that we, notice this word proetoimazo. That's the same basic word when Paul said, speaking of himself, speaking of the inner and the outer man in Romans 7, he said, how to perform that which is good in me, I find not. That's when he's talking about, I got this inner man wrestling with the outer man, and it, I can't do right. He used the word hetoimos. He said, I don't know how to hetoimazo. I can't do it, but it's God that works in me to willing to do of his good pleasure. God is working to every man, and every man, faith is death to self. Every man in the church has a measure of faith, but everybody don't have the same measure. So if somebody's not growing as fast as you are, and you want to get mad at them because they're not, then you're not growing as fast as you think you are. You're not as mature as you think you are. If you, if, Come on, hurry up and c- catch up with me. You can't do that. Now, why is it? So this had Toyamas being fitted to walk after these good agathos works is the same thing as the icon of the likeness of Christ. We're predestined to be like Jesus. That's not a choice on your part. If you belong to God, he's going to insist and command it and put it in your heart and you're going to wrestle with that from now on. Don't think you can get there overnight because you can't. Nobody could get there all of a sudden. Now, why is it people don't want to believe this? They don't know how evil their heart is. Look over here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, the verse I quote often. 17. This is how wicked you are. And if people ever come to the conclusion of that, they will realize. Jeremiah 17. What did I say? 9? 17. 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful, polluted. Akob, A-Q-O-B, A-Q-O-B. It is crooked. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's how wicked your heart really is unless God converts you by his will. This fellow wrote me this this email and he says uh, he granted us free will. <laughs> he did. We all got self-will in the flesh. Paul said, I don't have any good thing in me to perform that which is good. How to perform that which is right, I don't know how. If God doesn't work on a man, he'll never do right. 
you just don't realize how strong this verse is. Look over here in Ecclesiastes 8. Go over to Ecclesiastes 8. And if you read Ecclesiastes, I encourage people to do this. If you've never read Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. He wrote... Let me erase some of this so I can write on the board. All right. Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon. Wrote that when he was young. Full of vibrance and before he had married 700 wives and 350 concubines, secondary wives, and they were all pagans and heathens there in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. He was a young man, and any time you find the word canticle, C-A-N-T-I-C-A-L, that's a reference to another word for Song of Solomon. The Canticles was the Song of Solomon. He wrote that when he was young. Then after he had had a lot of experience, he wrote the book of Proverbs. That tells you how to live. Tells you how how you are living and how you need to live. And he wrote Ecclesiastes when he was an old man. He had all his experience with all these women he said, I had gold and silver, had money, I had men singers and maid dancers. I had all these things. And he said, I had everything that my eyes could behold that I wanted. And he said, it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. The word vexation is an interesting word. It's a word that that means to grab for the wind. It means to try to reach out and grab the wind. He said, everything I had was like grabbing for the wind. I couldn't fulfill all my sexual desires with 700 women. And believe me, he married some good-looking women. And he said, with... 300 concubines. He had a thousand women. He said, I can't fulfill all of my desires with it. Had all the gold and silver I wanted. I had men singers and maid dancers. I entertained myself to the hill and it was worthless. Boy, I'd encourage everybody read the book of Ecclesiastes once a year. It'll change your life. I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll change your thinking. If he had it all, and he couldn't fulfill his desires. The Bible says even these strange women led good King Solomon away. Something else, isn't it? Look here in Ecclesiastes 8. 8 and 11. Well, let's read 10 and 11. And I saw the wicked buried 
who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were gotten in the city where they had so done, this is also vanity, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set on them to do evil. That's what your heart set on to do. Look at Ecclesiastes 9, 3. 9 and 3. This is an evil. Let's read down to, let's start in 1. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. (laughs) If you're evil, God creates evil. God is doing everything that's going on on the earth. You say, well, if God creates evil, then he's predestined me to be out here uh, doing my evil. No, he's predestined you to conform to the image of Christ. If you belong to him and you're not conforming, he's preordained you for a good beating. You say, well, I had a guy tell me one time, I had a headache for two weeks. No, how about a headache for 25 or 30 years? How about... God causing your family to leave you and your kids to forsake you and you get cancer and you and you lose your job and you lose your house. How about that? How about God killing one of your kids? God will God do that? Oh absolutely. He'll do anything to get the attention of his people. Look here, nine. Let's go on and read this. Or in the hand of God, no man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. God has to put that in you. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked. One thing's going to happen to us all. What do you think that is? To die. To the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth, and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. He that sweareth is he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. Under the sun means wherever the sun is shining, these things are common to man. That there is one event unto all, yea, Also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. How's that? And madness is in their heart while they live. And after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. What is he talking about? Well, a lion can't eat you up after he's dead. He has, he's worth nothing. For the living know that they shall die. Now, this is a verse that the, that the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses use. The living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. They say, once you're dead, you don't know anything. It's talking about not knowing anything that's going on in the world. Neither have they any more reward. It's over. Whatever you do is done here on earth. For the memory of them is forgotten. When you're dead, your glory goes to the grave with you. The famous people that die in the world, it's over. 
You could ask an 18-year-old, what did you think of Glenn Campbell singing? They'll say, who? They have no idea who Glenn Campbell is, and he was one of the most famous people in America in 1970. They don't even know who he is. I had a, I went into the drugstore one day, and there was this guy that worked there that looked as much like Don, Donnie, uh, Donnie Osmond to be his twin brother. And I walked in, and the lady that was working that day, I said, is Donnie Osmond here today? She said, who? I said, Donnie Osmond. She, I, she said, oh, I don't think I know him. I said, you don't know who Donnie Osmond is? She said, no. She was about 30. His glory is gone. Now, neither have they any more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. I had a fellow that used to play drums for a band down in Atlanta. He was a black fellow that used to come here years ago. I said something about the fifth dimension. He said, who's that? I said, you don't know the fifth dimension? And you play drums in a band? He said, no. I said, they were the most, one of the most famous groups in 68 and 70 in America. They could fill the Coliseum by themselves. People, when you're dead, your fame is gone. The only way you're going to be able to remember these famous singing groups like the Statler Brothers, the Oak Ridge Boys, 20 years after they're dead is go down to the, go down to the Samaritan house or go over here to uh, one of these places that has a place where they have these DVDs or, or CDs in some little rack and you can pay 25 cents and get them. They're going to have to go over there to hunt for these guys because they're not going to know who they are. Fame is fleeting quickly. Look here and go over here to Matthew 23. I'm just trying to show you how wicked men are. Matthew 23 and 25. If God ever lets you see the wickedness of your heart, that's what convicts your heart and what makes you want to repent and start living for the Lord as much as you can. 23-25. Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. They were the most religious men of the day. They were the Baptist preachers with a three-piece suit and a watch fob walking around the town, and everybody was bowing to them because they were so righteous. And Jesus is saying to them, the things he says to them is unbelievable. 23 and look here at some of the things he says to the Pharisees. Let's read a few of these here. The scribes and the Pharisees, in verse 2, sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. Don't do what they do. Because they say and do not. He goes on down. All their works, he said, they bind heavy burdens, grievous to be born, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their little fingers. They won't do any good for God. 
but all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. What in the world is a phylactery? In that sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, God says, take my law, put it on your hand, put it on your forehead, put it where you lie down, where you rise up, where you walk, wherever you go. That was, they said, the Pharisees said, we'll take little boxes and we'll put this along with a few other and we'll put these little boxes on our forehead and they are called phylacteries. We get the word prophylactic from that. It means protection. And that was supposed to protect them from demons and anything out there. And they put them on their left arm to be closest to their heart. And they wrapped those little boxes on their arm. So they said, this makes me holy. And they made bigger phylacteries on their forehead. <coughs> The bigger they could make them, the bigger they could make them on their arm. That made them holy. And that's why Jesus said, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They put big borders on the garments so people could say, Rabbi, Rabbi, Master, Master. And they love the uppermost seats at the, at the feast and the chief seats of the synagogue. And they love martings, they love greetings in the marketplace to be called of men Rabbi, Rabbi, Doctor, DD, LLD, PhD, Dead Dog, DD. <laughs> Job says, if we love flattering titles, if I submit to flattering titles, the Lord will destroy me. People say, what should I call you? I say, well, you can call me Jim. That's my name. You can call me pastor, but don't ever call me reverend. Reverend, according to Psalms, the 10th chapter, 110th chapter, reverend is the name of the Lord. Reverend is the word Yahweh. It means to fear. Don't call me fear Jim. Don't call me Reverend. The Reverend is mentioned one time in the Bible. And it's God's name. Not belong to any man. And then he goes on down here. And he says, I'm going to get, but warn you, verse 13, warn you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you. Now people tell me, don't call people's names. Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, Creflo Dollar. They lie. Don't call their names. Jesus is standing in the middle of the streets, pointing at the Pharisees, saying, Woe unto you! Men that lie, I'm going to call them down. Now, you can throw rocks at me. You can file a lawsuit against me. I don't worry about Kenneth Cope and filing a lawsuit because they don't believe in doing that. They just say, well, God bless him. He's just a simple man, and he's just a little preacher out there in Nashville, Tennessee, and God will deal with him in his way, and God will deal with you by throwing you into hell one day. <laughs> then verse 4, he says, You shut up the kingdom of God against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. What did he mean by that? They said to get in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God was a term for Israel. 
Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. It has to be birthed in you by the will of God. What he was talking about, the Pharisees had their own law. They had the Haggadah. And they said you had to go by the Haggadah to get into the kingdom. So they, and I don't have time to go through the Haggadah. The Haggadah was the verbal law of the Jews. When Israel had been carried off into, into captivity in Babylon, they took the law of God that had been over here in Israel and they translated into the Aramaic of the Babylonians. And then they had a head rabbi. And the rabbi, instead of having a high priest like they had over here, they had a head master of the synagogue. And they said, this master of the synagogue has to interpret this law to what it actually means in the Aramaic. So we have to come up with a Haggadah, which is a verbal law. And that was called the tradition of the Pharisees. The verbal law of Moses was a lie. And they translate it. And so the Pharisees, by the time Jesus gets here, they have this Haggadah that they're teaching everybody. And when Jesus was here in the streets of of the world, he was reprimanding the Pharisees every time they opened their mouth. They had to interpret all of the law and they interpreted it all wrong. They, they said the Sabbath was the most holy thing to them in the week. And if you violated the Sabbath, you could get in trouble with the Pharisees, get a reprimand. They could exact some penalties on you. And Jesus said to them, in their their Haggadah, their verbal law, they said the Sabbath was, man was made on the Sabbath, or man was made on the sixth day, man made sixth day to put him in subjection to the Sabbath. And Jesus said, when he said this, they went livid. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They would we'll kill you for that. You violate the Sabbath to them, you, you incur the wrath of the Pharisees. When he said every time he said something, it was against the Haggadah. So they weren't going around preaching the law of Moses. They were preaching this traditional law, the twisted word of God. Wait a minute. I think that's what the charismatics are doing in the Baptist. They are taking the word of God and reaching it and twisting it. That's what the charismatics do. They say, God wants you rich. He wants you to prosper. And every time they see the word prosper, they think it means money. And the Bible says we're rich in faith. Third John 2, I love the verse, y'all know that. Third John 2. Sit down there. Oh, you got to go? Okay, well, go ahead and go. But it's kind of disruptive if you're down there. I've got a three-mile ride. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. All right. 
When John tells the guy, I said, would you prosper? The word is E-U-O-D-O-O. John says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Well, the word prosper is not our word prosper. It's a construction of you and hodos. Hodos is the word way. You means well. It means the well way. And Jesus said, I am the way. And he said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. So he's wishing for Gaius above all things that you'd be in the well way, which is the tribulation way. Narrow is a form of the word tribulation. So he's not talking about money. They, When you talk about prosper, the prosperity gospel, those guys are doing the same thing they have their own Haggadah in the world. They don't go to the original text. They don't care what anything means. When he said health, the word is Hugiano, H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Prosper and be in health, that is one of the favorite verses of the Charismatics, and they're doing the same thing with that that the Pharisees did with the Haggadah, they're just taking it and twisting it to make it mean what they want it to mean. Prosper means well way. Hodos is the common Greek word for way every time you find it in the New Testament. It means a well way. The narrow way as opposed to the broad way. And they don't even care that there's a narrow Hodos and a broad Hodos. So... You know what? That's what the whole nation's doing. That's what the Baptists are doing. They're not talking about repentance. They're not talking about daily cross. They're not talking about death to self. They're not talking about self-denial. They're absolutely not talking about if you are, if you're following Christ, you have to be hated by the world. They're not saying that, are they? If you're hated by the world, Jesus said, if the world hates me, it'll hate you. If you're hated by the world, Jesus said that in John 15, starting in verse 18. He said, if the world hated me, it'll hate you. If it persecuted me, it'll persecute you. Did they hate Jesus? Yeah, they hated him. They, why did they kill him? They killed him for he was getting too much attention. And they didn't like him for what he was saying because he was preaching against their Haggadah. They don't like me because I preach against their Haggadah. We got Haggadah in all the churches in America. Nobody even cares. This is not even hard. It's not hard to come up with the answers to these words. All it takes is to start with is a strong, exhaustive concordance. That's all it takes. You can start with this. And you can move to other, more advanced things. And you can find out what the words are in this. You can find out what prosper means in this. You can talk about what health means. Health means uncorrupt words. Same word Paul would use when we speak of sound doctrine. I wish above everything that you'll come into the narrow way, which is full of tribulation, and that you'll have the uncorrupt word of God. If you make that money in physical health, you have a Haggadah. That's what they got. When the Baptists preach, accept Christ, that's Haggadah. That is a verbal law that they invented. 
the Bible does not teach accept Christ as your personal Savior. One of the sad things, one of the last things my father said to me on the phone. He said, Jimmy, all that matters is a man accepts Christ as his personal Savior. And that's all that matters. That's what Daddy told me. And he, won't, he wouldn't listen to nothing you were saying. I wanted to say, Daddy, you can't even do that. The Bible doesn't teach that. My father called himself a preacher for 60 or 70 years, and that's all he ever taught. Accept Christ and sinner's prayer. The Bible says, We know that God heareth not sinners. If any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And everybody's favorite verse, all the Baptist churches I've ever been in, Romans ten thirteen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all you have to do is call upon the name of God. The next verse tells you how you're saved. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Believe is a verb. It's what you do. If God comes alive in you, you will be conforming to his likeness. And this won't be your choice. It'll be him. Until you know how evil your heart is, I ought to give you some more of these. Well, let's go on and look at a couple more of these. Look here in in Matthew 23. I love verse... That's why I said you, you shut up the kingdom of God. The, Pharise- the Pharisees are just like the Baptist preachers today. They're just like the Pentecostals. Pentecostals, Baptists, Charismatics, Church of Christ, Presbyterians, they're all preaching a, a, a Haggadah, a made-up doctrine. They just put their spin on it and say, I think this means this. And nobody, not hardly anybody goes to the a concordance, much less to these books that'll tell you all about the culture, the customs, the idioms, the metaphors, McClinic and Strong, Hastings, Alfred Edersheim, got four books that are fantastic. He was a Jew, born in 1825, died in 1889. He kept a lot of the, in his books, he kept a lot of the culture and the customs. These guys will invent something, say, I think this means... I don't care what you think. Sounds like you're angry at them. Yeah, you think? And they're lying to the America? The preachers are lying? The Baptists are lying? You know how confusing it was to me when I was a kid and my father would preach and he'd give long invitation hymns and say, come on down the aisle and accept Christ and pray this prayer. You know how confusing that is to a person that is looking for the truth? And that's not the truth. I was so confused. I walked down the aisle every time he'd get up there and give a death threat message. Every time he'd say, if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. And if you don't come tonight... And here, we're going to sing another verse, the 15th verse to Almost Persuaded. We sang 20 of Just As I Am. And man, I'd sit there and shake and quiver and 
Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I'd keep walking the aisle. I keep praying the prayer. I keep saying, I want to accept Christ. I don't know how to do this. Did anybody have that same problem as I had? You didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know. How do you accept him? I remember one time he was, I've told you this story before. He had, he'd put up tents. He got saved one night, walked down an aisle of Baptist church, and the next week he went out and bought a tent and set it up. It's crazy. He didn't know much, hardly anything about the Bible. And he'd just read a few verses and shout and tell stories. You say, that's your father. Well, I can't make excuse for him. If I won't accept him, believe me, I won't accept Billy Graham. Billy Graham, his whole message was accept Christ as your personal Savior and pray this prayer. Come down the aisle and pray this prayer. It's not true. Believe is the method of salvation. Believe is the verb form of faith. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. It's not your doing. It's God working in you. If God doesn't change you to want to do right, you say, Jim, but I can't do as right as what you're doing. I understand that. You can do a little, can't you? You can't have these words in your heart, all these Greek words that I put out. I'll say them a thousand times in a year. And you can't have them in you, in your heart, without them coming out your mouth. They'll just come out. You'll be in the middle of somewhere in a grocery store at a laundromat or something, and somebody will say something. you say, I don't think that's what that means. And then you may be in a, they may want to start a war with you, and you say, excuse me, you got to leave. I, I can't tell you how frustrated I was with my father's message. Totally frustrated. I mean, Daddy would see me coming down the aisle so many times. He got to where he wouldn't have me pray a prayer or do anything. He'd just say, sit down over there, Jimmy. <laughs> I'd just go sit down as frustrated after I walked the aisle as I was before. Did that bother y'all? I mean, does it, did it bother you to think, try to figure out what you need to You don't need to do anything. You just believe. And if you believe, God's changing you. And you can't believe. And I put this on the board so many times I can't count. I didn't know what faith was. I didn't know how to have faith. And don't listen to these charismatics. They lie as fast as they talk. Y'all realize how much trouble America is in with God? We're in a lot of trouble in America. Those of us that are believers are not in trouble. They may kill us. But I could, I did not know how to do what my father was telling me to do. Did you try to do this a bunch of times or try to figure it out? You just, if, if, he was saying the same thing Billy Graham was saying. I was going to tell you about that night. He strung a bunch of wires, uh, lights around a, a vacant lot in Grapevine, Texas. 
and it was just a little country community back then. Now it's part of Fort Worth, very progressive place. And I remember he gave this long invitation to him, and I'll never forget. I thought, I don't know how to accept Christ. I think I walked down the aisle and hand Daddy this book and said, Daddy, would you hand that back to me and I'll pretend it's Jesus and I'll pretend I'm accepting Christ. I was that serious about God. I didn't know what to do. And I grew up and studied the Bible and found out my father had been lying to me his whole career. And I had to say, no, that's not right. And I've called him down, and I'm not going to accept people think I'm terrible because I called down Billy Graham. If I call down my father, I'm absolutely going to call down Billy Graham because he said the same thing. And it's just not true. Now, I'm still showing you how wicked your heart is. Let's finish up here. I guess verse 14 is one of my favorite verses out of Matthew 23. People say you shouldn't call people names. Jesus is standing in the middle of the street with a bunch of Pharisees and a lot of people listening, and watch what he calls them. Woe is the word ooai, O-U-A-I. Woe! A cry of damnation! Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and after he's made you, make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. You make them children of hell. You get them to following the Haggadah, a twisted form of the Word of God. I want to say that to all the preachers that preach this accept Christ and sinners' prayer and tongues and faith healing, it's a lie. When they, when the charismatics say, thy faith has made thee whole, the woman, here's how much different it makes when you define a word. That woman that came to Christ in the streets in Mark 10, and she had an issue of blood, and Jesus said, I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has made thee whole. Now go and be whole of thy plague. Same word in the English. Two different words in the Greek. If you don't find that, it's going to look like, Thy faith has made thee whole. It looks like Jesus healed her because of her faith. Now go and be whole of thy plague. The first word whole it's the word sozo. I always pronounce the Z with D-Z. That's the way it's pronounced. Sozo. That's the first. Her faith saved her. Then he said, now go and be hoogious. He didn't make her hoogious. We would get our word hygiene from that. Be physically cleansed of your plague. I'm a living God. You can't come in contact with me without me cleansing you because you believe I'm God. 
But her faith did not make her physically cleansed. Her faith saved her. How are you going to know that? If you don't define the word. That's a very confusing verse isn't it? in the English. All these people preaching in these churches. I don't know of anybody that's trying to preach the entire truth. John MacArthur hinges on it, but he's got Christ's mass. I don't understand. Somebody explain to me how you can have Christmas on a piece of paper on a board and not understand that it comes from Christ's mass. How can you not understand that? I figured that out at 12 years old when I was a little boy in Texas watching the TV program of the Pope doing the Midnight Mass. I said, that must be Christ's Mass. Then I went into all these dictionaries. You can come up here in the Britannica, pull out the C volume, look up Christmas, and they'll tell you it's Christ's Mass. It's the Mass of the Roman Catholic Church. Gosh, how loud could I yell that? Why am I the only guy that can understand these things? You know what you have to have to say this? You have to have all the guts in the world. (laughs) You have to have a lot of nerve to look at people and say, that's Roman Catholicism. But I was so analytical at 11 years old, 12 years old in 1950, 51, when my father bought that television, and i never seen one in my life, and we're watching that Pope do the Midnight Mass, and I'm saying, Christ's Mass, is that, is that Roman Catholicism? And there's the Pope, and it's Christmas Eve, and St. Nicholas is some kind of a Santa Claus, and he's going to come tonight and bring toys to the kids, and uh, I don't think he's a Catholic, isn't he? If I was a little boy saying that, sitting on my couch, I can take you right to the street, take you to the house, and take you inside the house and show exactly where I was sitting when I was doing that. If they'd let me in that house. Little bitty tiny house. If I can figure that out at 12, why can't grown preachers up here that pastor these big churches figure out it's the mass of Roman Catholicism. I sound like I get frustrated. I am. I sound like I'm angry. I am. The Bible says we commands us and in another imperative mood, be angry or gizomai. That's a command. Or gizomai means to be heated and upset at preachers who preach winds of doctrine that make the church apathetic. It says past feeling. Past feeling. The word is apagao. A-P-A-L-G-E-O. And it means apathetic. A-P-A-L-G-E-O. T-H-E-T-I-C. That's a very important word because it comes from pathos, which means something that's painful. A doctor of pathology is a doctor of painful diseases and the alpha primitive in front of that. Apathy means no feeling. 
you know, America don't have any feeling when they hear these words. The only people that have feeling about these words that I'm teaching are the elect believers. Doesn't it bother you that people don't care? I get up every day, I look out those windows, I go in the kitchen, sit down, make me some coffee, look out those windows, and I get extremely depressed and full of anguish. I become sorrowful and acquainted with grief. That's what Jesus was, wasn't he? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we're predestined to be like him. The more you learn the more grieved you'll become. Ecclesiastes one eighteen. In much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. If you do, if you just want to be blissful, ignorance is bliss. Stay dumb. Just stay dumb. Stay uninformed, and maybe you can kind of float through life and not learn nothing and be around these boring people in the world that don't know nothing about God. How much time do I have, Mike? Fifteen. I was going to get to a lot of other verses. I'm going to give you another... Gosh, where can I go? I got so much. Jim, could I suggest a verse? Yeah, go ahead. Genesis 8.21. Okay. I got a million places to go with this. Genesis 8. And the 21st verse. Okay. Staying on the subject of man's heart. Men are, they're wicked. Genesis 8. I'm telling you the things that they're saying I'm going to have to save some of the things till next week I was going to go on some other subjects 821 alright my front of my Bible don't turn easy the pages are all wrinkled up alright this is talking about the wickedness of man. Eight twenty-one. The Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's where the heart is with man. It's evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Man's heart is wicked. The charismatics are constantly with their halakha or their haggadah. The halakha was a written law. The Haggadah the Haggada, the was the verbal, and the Haggadah was the written law. And they twisted everything that was the Word of God when they carried it to Babylon. One of the things they say they can do 
No, I don't want to get into that. There's a couple other things I was going to address that they that they talk about. The charismatics will they say that you've got to have money to be able to do anything for God. I'll go ahead and give you some of this. They say they can bind Satan. We're going to bind Satan tonight. No. Even Michael the archangel was hesitant. He said, I will not speak against Satan because Satan is so tricky. Even though Michael had killed 185,000 men in one night, even though he was the death angel, he knew that Satan was tricky. And if you go over to Jude, now bind and loose, bind, when they say they're going to bind Satan and loose Jesus on some beer joint, binding and loosing was a rabbi's term. Bind is, it, it wasn't binding people or binding the devil. Bind is the word dio means to forbid or to declare unlawful. Loose is the word luo, to, to permit. These were rabbinical terms, and they said that you had to take the book of the law or declare lawful. This is talking about the commandments of God binding and loosing according to the word of God. It's not talking about binding people. It's, they're insane when they say these things. Turn over to Job. I'm going to probably go to this more thoroughly next week. Go to Job, Job the 41st chapter. Job. 41st chapter, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Job, 41st chapter, and they just say, Satan, we bind you. Have you you've heard them say that, haven't you? Stupid people. First of all, they hadn't studied binding and loosing. Bind also has other words that are related to it. You have the door doulos, U-U-L-O-S which is the word slave. Then you have the word diocese, which is also a form of dio. It means to supplicate. To supplicate means to go in the court of a king and say, to do thy will is my command, O king. I supplicate to your will. I bow to your will. has the same meaning as prayer. So bind and loose. They were told when a man would come into the into the law, he'd be handed the book of the law and say, bind and loose according to the book. What that meant, you remember me talking about adding or subtracting anything from the word of God? That's what it meant. Don't add anything. Don't subtract anything from the word. Go by the book only. It didn't mean to bind the devil. Now, I can't do all this all at once. But here in the, I'll come back, really going to this thoroughly.
in the 41st chapter of Job, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? Now, Leviathan was... They had all of these imaginations about what Leviathan was. Some people said it was a crocodile. Some say it was whales in the Mediterranean. You have to understand their thinking... They said in the Mediterranean Sea, there were all kinds of demons in the Mediterranean. Let me get over here to a big picture of the Mediterranean. Here. The Mediterranean Sea is where all of the beast world system was. The Roman Empire was on the Mediterranean. The Babylonian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Persian Empire had their boundaries on the Mediterranean Sea. They would not, they did not have sextants, S-E-X-T-A-N-T-S. A sextant was something that they used to navigate themselves across the sea by the stars. They didn't have sextants back in the ancient world. If they were going to travel from over here on down here off the uh, Egyptian boundary, up here to Greece, they wouldn't go across the water because they had all kinds of storms. The ships would disappear. And they, they gave claim to this, said this was Leviathan. I don't know what I did to you. I went. They said it was Leviathan. And they claimed... They claimed that here in the bottom of the sea that there was a door into hell. That was one of the imaginations of the Jews. That's why, that's why Jonah said, he said, out of the belly of hell cried I, out of the belly of hell. Because he was in the Mediterranean when he went over here to Joppa, got on a ship and got vomited or got thrown off the ship by the mates and got swallowed by a great fish. So he said, out of the belly of hell cried I. So they they said uh, that Leviathan was a creature out there and they believed that there were all kinds of demons out here in the Mediterranean Sea. They had not learned to navigate correctly. If they're going to go from one place down here in uh, Libya, over here to Ephesus, they would get just offshore and get on the ship and go around the shoreline to get over here to Ephesus. They wouldn't cross the sea. It was scary. And proof of that, in the 14th chapter of Matthew, when Jesus told the apostles in the fourth in the fourth uh, watch of the night, there were four watches in the night, one to six to nine, nine to twelve, excuse me, six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, and three to six. This was one watch, two watch, three watch, and the fourth watch was here. On the fourth watch, it was dark, and the apostles didn't want to cross the sea and they were just up here on the Sea of Galilee. But they thought that there was monsters out there. And they saw Jesus walking on the water. 
And they didn't say it is a pneuma, which is the common word for spirit. They said it is a phantasm. And a phantasm was a demon or an evil spirit. And Jesus said, it's not a demon, it's me. That proves that they believed there were demons out there in the seas. And they certainly wasn't going to take a trip across the sea. And they said Leviathan was out there in the sea. Can you draw out Leviathan? And at the end of this chapter, it'll tell you who Leviathan is. I can't read the whole thing. I'll just read a little bit of it. It's talking about, can you cast thou, canst thou put a hook into Leviathan's nose and bore his jaw through with a thorn? He's not talking about a whale. He's not talking about a crocodile. And he goes on down here and says, let me go ahead and read it. Wilt thou play with him as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? And shall the companions make a banquet of Leviathan? Shall they part him among the merchants? Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons? Or his head with fish spears? You don't know who he is. Lay thine hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down at the sight of this Leviathan? He's not talking about a creature. None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand before me? I'll just go to the end of the chapter and show who Leviathan, who he says Leviathan is. Verse 34. He beholdeth all high things. He is king over all the children of pride. Who's he talking about? The real Leviathan's not a whale. The real Leviathan is not a crocodile. The real Leviathan is Satan. Who stirs? And they, the charismatics say, we, cast, we say, Satan, get your hand off of God's people. We bind you, Satan. The Bible says about Leviathan being Satan, Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir up Leviathan. And if that's true, who then is able to stand before me, God says. You think you can bind Satan? You sure have dreamed a dream. Even Michael, the archangel, over there in the book of Jude, I'll just read this to you because we're running out of time. In Jude, Michael, who killed 185,000 in one night, he's the death angel over there in Second Kings, the 19th chapter. When you go over to Jude, even Michael, Michael knew how tricky Satan was. Verse 9, Jude. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, 
durst not bring him railing accusation, but Michael said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. You can't just come up and say, Satan, we bind you. That's idiocy. Unless we could hide in the in the shadow of Jesus under his wing shall we trust. You can't go around binding the devil. They've what they've done, what the charismatics are like the Baptists, they do whatever they want to do to stir up your emotions during some invitation hymn and get a bunch of people to walk the aisle. I tell people when I invite them to come to meet with us, I said, we don't, I told somebody the other day, I said, we don't give invitation hymns. We don't believe if God can't stir you up, I certainly can. Now, I don't believe in convincing anybody to walk down an aisle. Do you know that walking down an aisle has nothing to do with salvation? All these invitation hymns are just a way of motivating people to come down to the front and get emotional and cry and carry on. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for truth. God, cut into our hearts and make us realize who we are and we'll realize how unworthy we are of your mercy and your grace. Thank you for saving us and to continue to save us, Lord. Fight our battles. I am tired of fighting, Lord. I don't want to fight nobody again forever. You fight my battles. Let us your predestinated elect family and give us strength to keep going. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I hope we can see this thing of predestination clearer and clearer. Victor can't help it. He's kind of funny. He just gets up in the middle of things and just starts moving around. He's kind of funny. Are you beginning to understand the halakon of God all better? Huh? The halakha is the verbal Haggadah. I think I, I think I turned it around tonight. I meant to say the Haggadah was the written. What you doing, little guy? What are you doing? Huh? You want to come see me? Would you Would you like Would you like some gum? You want some gum? Come here and I'll give you some. Can he have some gum? Huh? You want? Well, she she takes it and chews it and eats it like candy. What you doing there, guy? What was your name? Huh? 
Corey, little Corey. <laughs> you are a booger, you know it. Are y'all going to, am I going to see y'all out twice? <laughs> I'll wave at you. you might not I still kept it there. Didn't mess with it yet. What you doing, guy? Well, I'm glad y'all come. We are too. Did you learn anything about predestination? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the binding and loosing because I hear so many people say, well, it's so I stupid. bind and loose that. I bind the devil. You can't bind the devil. These are people in various towns. This is the guy that was on the uh, uh, Red Fox show. What was it? Sanford and Son. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He was uh, NSR's nephew on there. Oh. And these people are in Houston. And uh, this lady is in Holland. Oh, wow. And that's her family there. She wants to come over, but her husband is a charismatic. And he won't let her bring two of the girls and she wants to come over here and see it. Well, Jim, we'll see you later. Okay. okay. Good to see y'all. Yes. Yes. Oh, so now we got to get married. I know. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Are you? Well, maybe I said some of the things I've been saying, but I'm trying to get us to understand 